Attention everyone, please take your seats. We're about to begin. This episode is all about being too busy for change. Take your seats, please. Thanks. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm Brock Armstrong. And I am Monica Reinagle. And we'd like to welcome you to this special episode that is a pre-release for the Podcast Wellness Week presented by Podbean. And just so you know, this is a show that's all about creating change. And in every episode, we use our expertise in nutrition, fitness, and cognitive behavior theory, plus our experience coaching hundreds and hundreds of clients to help you move closer to your ideal self. So if you're a new listener, welcome. We hope you enjoy this taste of the Change Academy. So have you ever felt that you were simply too busy to make the changes you'd like to make in your life? Because today we're going to challenge some of those stories that we have about just how busy we are and also how much time making change requires. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to talk about how we can fit that work of change in around our other obligations and priorities that we have in our life. But first, we always take a little moment at this point in the podcast to talk about something that we are working on or that one of our members is working on. We often hear from them about the changes that they are pursuing. But uh, Brock, what have you got for us this week? Well, you know, I watched the Netflix show called The Social Dilemma. Have you watched that? Have you seen that? I haven't. It, it's quite something, I have to say. They, they do tend to make it very overly dramatic. They're interviewing these programmers and people who have created Twitter and stuff like that with this really dramatic music behind them, making it seem really ominous and terrifying. But after I finished watching it, I actually did start thinking about my own use of social media. And I decided that I would remove all the apps for all the social media that I use. And I do use quite a lot of social media as part of my work and part of my play. Um, But I wanted to remove all of the apps from my mobile devices, so my iPhone and my iPad. And the idea was to actually make it harder or put a barrier or a hurdle between me and getting into social media. And not having the apps means that I actually have to open a browser, type the URL facebook.com or twitter.com into my device, let it load the page and all of that kind of stuff. And I know that doesn't seem like a big barrier, but it's amazing how often, and I'm going to speak for everyone because I think more than just me has this problem, that if we have like 30 seconds to kill, we'll just pull out our phone, click on the app and start scrolling. Mm Mm-hmm. But actually having to open a a browser, put the URL in or find the bookmark or whatever was just enough barrier that those 30 second little moments that I feel bored and pull my device out, just it was enough of a hurdle to stop me from doing that. So I can still use all the social media, but I have to actually be very deliberate about it. So I found this to be a simple and easy way to actually reclaim some of my time and also some of my happiness Hmm. um, by just making making a little bit harder. So now I actually spend more time sort of standing there thinking and planning and mind wandering and maybe I'm just spacing out instead of just pulling my phone out when I have a moment or two. And uh, you know what? It's really not as boring as as we've been trained to believe to not have a a distraction in front of us all the time. Yeah. And I can imagine how not filling up all of those little moments could actually make it feel like you have more time in your life. Because I think that that mindless kind of reflexive activity, it can easily create a sense, a false sense of 
busyness, that we're just never at peace, never at rest because we don't let a single second go unfilled. Right. And that's actually a great segue into our conversation today, which is all about feeling too busy to tackle the changes that we want to make in our life, which can really keep mm-hmm. us stuck, you know, keep that those things on the to-do list and never moving off of them. But when we think about making a change, I think we often get sort of sucked in or inspired by those big, dramatic transformation stories that we might run across on social media um, and see somebody who completely transformed their body or their business or their home or their closet or whatever it was. (laughs) And we get attracted to that before and after, you know, the big drama of that. But I think it's important to realize that a lot of times these are people for whom making that change was their job, (laughs) their Mm -hmm. full time job. So maybe they got cast in a reality TV show where their job literally was to exercise all day so that they could post some super fast, super unhealthy weight loss (laughs) in record time. (laughs) Or, you know, they've created a business model that is going to make a brand and monetize whatever this transformation is, you know, like a book deal or a big blog or sure, sure. Sponsors or, or sometimes it's not even a monetary uh, incentive. Sometimes the deck is forcibly cleared of distractions and competing obligations by some sort of cataclysmic event, like Mm. a job loss or a life threatening diagnosis or a natural disaster, you know, and so we can get super focused in a hurry. But my question for everybody listening today is, what if creating the changes that you want to make in your life isn't actually your full-time job? (laughs) What then? How can we make this happen? Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to see change, like whether it's you're changing your body, changing your finances, changing your home, whatever, as something that has to simply be layered on top of all the other existing tasks you have to do. But what we forget to to look at and forget to realize and acknowledge is even when we're not making change, we're spending a lot of time already thinking about not changing. Mm. And by that, I mean that every time we, we catch ourselves or we become aware that we're, I don't know, reaching for a snack when we're not actually hungry or we're having a meaningless drink at the end of the day, it's not a celebration, it's not really an unwind, it's just a drink because that's what you do or or you find yourself procrastinating or doing online shopping or whatever it is, we end up spending a bunch of time wrestling with that decision and trying to talk ourselves out of it or into it or whatever or beating ourselves up over having done it or not done it. And this is the time that we could be spending more productively actually making the change. So it's not layering on top. It's actually doing a bit of a switcheroo. Exactly. I mean, how much time does it really take to make a different choice? Uh, I mean, often it takes some energy just simply to Mm -hmm. bump ourselves out of the habitual response and choose something different. But so often that new choice, that new behavior doesn't really take any more time than the old one. And I wonder if often we just use being busy as sort of a cover or an excuse for staying stuck in a certain groove, or maybe just to protect ourselves from the discomfort or in unfamiliarity of change. Yeah, so it's easy to think that spending time making change actually happen in our lives will actually feel like another job or another task that needs to get done before you can go and put your feet up and relax. But often, actually taking the steps to make the change or 
improve our well-being can fill the role of that relaxation time of getting invigorated or getting relaxed or or making ourselves feel a little more happy and and fulfilled and and if you don't believe me you can go back and check out the episode about the cost of an unmet goal and how that can really weigh us down and i think that's such an interesting point that you made that we feel kind of exhausted by the prospect of change but that change can actually bring us so much relaxation and peace and rest, right. you know, and, and rejuvenation, you know, and a good example about this is sometimes we'll avoid cleaning out our closet. We know it has to be done because that just feels so overwhelming. But in reality, the best solution to that overwhelm is to have a closet that only has clothes that fit you and that look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, sometimes I think we're afraid that if we get rid of all the stuff that actually isn't working in our closet, then we're going to have to make time to find new clothes. But I can tell you that when you know exactly what you have and what you need, that can save you so much time buying stuff that isn't actually what you need. So uh, I don't think we should be afraid of the effort of change. I think it can sometimes create a lot of time and a lot of space in our life. Yeah, if you're like me and you constantly think that you need more socks, now I just have to find places to store my socks because my sock drawer is literally exploding. Yeah. And, you know, another thing I see that happens when we're being too busy to change is that we get stuck in what I call data gathering mode. And we've talked about this on past episodes, but we feel like we can't pursue a change until we've done all the research. All the research. (laughs) Or we just kind of confuse ourselves by investigating all the different ways that we could go about making that change. You know, like which closet purging guru should I follow? Which method should I apply? Mm -hmm. And instead, we could just take the first step. Um, I like what you always say about this, Brock. Action breeds clarity. Yeah. And action. Yeah. And more action, right. Just breeds itself. Yeah. So in... In a book that I actually just um, became aware of that I'm really excited about called Time Smart, the author Ashley Willens actually says, when we're feeling overwhelmed, we actually reach for low-level tasks that feel somewhat satisfying in the moment. And can kind of go back to my example of just pulling the phone out. That's Mm -hmm. a low-level task that feels somewhat satisfying that we go to when we feel overwhelmed. Or it can be like Monica was saying, like reading one more book or one more article, listening to another TED talk, right. <laughs> checking checking in with that friend who has had success in the area that you're looking to have success in, or just searching in social media. And again, the author, um, Ashley Willens, suggests that it gives us this feeling of accomplishment that is actually coming at the cost of our time affluence. Time affluence. Yeah, isn't that a great way to put it? Uh, yeah, I love that phrase. That that really kind of opens up a whole new horizon. I want to be time after right. <laughs> and you can be, awesome. Brock. Yes. You know, it was funny. I had another great example of that just this week of how, you know, this false busyness can kind of keep us from making changes. I have been, quote unquote, too busy now for an entire mm. year to file some legal paperwork that I had to file for the business. I mean, I have been moving this task from month to month and quarter to quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time I move it to the next month or the next quarter's plan of things I need to get done, I think like, oh man, yeah, I've just been too busy to get to this. And I can promise you, I have not been too busy for an entire year to do this. But I, I finally realized, I just thought, I cannot transfer this into 2021. I just refuse. And so I started to think about like, what is the problem here? And I realized that 
I was just intimidated because I thought there'd be a lot to figure out and it would take me a long time to figure out how to do it or I might do it wrong, you know, which is like the worst thing I could imagine ever Mm -hmm. in any realm of my life, right? (laughs) And so, you know, that's why I was too busy to do this for an entire year. So I thought, okay, I am just going to schedule some time in my calendar for half an hour. And I'm just going to work on it for half an hour just to get the process started so that at least I've made one tiny bit of progress. So when that half hour came this week and I sat down, Brock, I finished the entire project in 45 minutes. Nice. And boy, did I, (laughs) well, it feels good. But at the same time, I was like, I can't believe I've been telling myself for an entire year that I was simply too busy to get to this. Well, honestly, anything that involves paperwork, (laughs) I I actually get a headache just saying the words pa- paperwork. <laughs> so, um, so you're you're ahead of me there. But uh, you know, we've all heard this idea that when we think we don't have time for something, we should look at how much time we're spending watching TV or watching Netflix or or something because we do tend to spend a lot of time scrolling through social media, mm-hmm. but also just screen time in general. And, you know, I know we've all heard this advice. We've all been told to, like, if you feel like you don't have enough time, well, look at how much time you're spending in front of the TV. But as much as we know that and we've heard it, we still are more likely to protect our screen time than we are willing to spend time working on some self-improvement. Now, this could be because we haven't actually found our why to actually make that self-improvement. And you can go back to previous episodes to find out more about finding your why But it could also mean that we're actually just engaged in some self-deception where we think we're actually spending a lot less time on our devices or in front of the TV than we actually are. And we kind of write that advice of looking at how much time you're spending in front of the TV. Uh, You write that off as being for someone other than me. Like it's an other person problem. Yeah. I don't have that problem, but I think a lot of us do. Well, and they have those really simple apps that can run in the background and then give you a report at the end of the week about how much time you spent on your device or in, and you know, it can, it's kind of horrifying actually to see, but I think that, you know, screen time is seductive because it feels engaging, but it requires so little of us. I mean, it's, it's stimulating in a way, but it's very passive and, you know, change, making changes in our life that's also really stimulating and really engaging, but it's the opposite of passive. It's active. And it can also be kind of scary because it's always possible that we'll fail. But of course, every failure actually brings us closer to success. And scrolling social media or streaming yet another series very rarely does. Now, don't get us wrong. Either both of us Monica and I both watch TV and we both (laughs) spend time on our devices and stuff. So we're not some sort of like crazy people who are telling you you should never watch TV. But I think engaging in some self-monitoring or keeping track of how much time you're actually spending in front of the TV is is a really valuable thing to try. Well, especially if you're someone who finds yourself saying over and over to yourself or to the people around you, oh, I'm just so busy. Yeah. You know, then then, yeah, it, it is a great thing to take a look at. But then on the other side, actually sitting down, looking at your calendar and scheduling some time to actually spend working on yourself will make it a lot more likely to happen than just waiting for some time to magically present itself. 
I love sitting down and just like thinking about like giving myself little windows of time because it doesn't have to be huge windows of time, just little chunks of time throughout the day to to do some prep, write out some goals. And, you know, like I said, it, it may take a lot less time than you think once you actually sit down and you you schedule it and you you put it into your calendar. So just start with giving yourself like 10 minutes and then see, like, did you actually need 15 or did it actually only take five or did that legal paperwork actually only take 30 minutes right. or did it need to last an entire year? And there's actually a term that I've another fun term like time affluence is active leisure time. What's that mean? It's you're scheduling leisure time and it's something that that you're going to enjoy and something that's going to be fulfilling and not work but it's active. So you're actually planning to have some sort of goal, something you want to achieve during that leisure time. And I know that starts to sound like it's a, a job or it's work, but it's not. This is this is stuff we're working on yourself or working on something that's going to please you or bring you closer to your overall, your overarching goals. But yeah, the active leisure time is a really important thing to start putting into your calendar. Yeah, the planning is so important on so many different levels. And, you know, sometimes as with this paperwork, I've been putting off for almost a year, it didn't actually take me nearly as long as I thought it would. But, but sometimes what feels like a lack of time is really just a lack of a specific plan. So an example of this, I am getting ready for a concert that I'm going to be performing in a few weeks. And I know exactly how long that takes. I've been doing it for a long time. And I know how much time it takes me to get in shape and to work up the repertoire and be ready to perform. And so, you know, starting a few weeks ago, I had on my to-do list every day, you know, practice, vocalize, you know, so that I would have plenty of time to be in shape for this concert. And it wasn't happening. I would get to the end of every day and be like, whoops, I didn't practice, (laughs) never Mm. warmed up. (laughs) And so I was doing some problem solving over the weekend. And I thought, okay, obviously what I need is not just to put it on my to-do list for the day, but I have to pick the hour that is going to happen. So I opened right. up my calendar and I picked, you know, an, uh, an hour or sometimes just 30 minutes because that's all I could fit in every single day, a specific hour or 30 minutes, wrote it into my calendar. And, uh, and that has really helped me kind of stick to that. So yeah, sometimes uh, a lack of time is really just a lack of a plan. And that's actually a really good example of an active leisure time. Yeah. Oh, this is hard work, Brock. <laughs> yes, but it's fulfilling work, it, right? It truly is. Yeah. As soon as I'm actually doing it, it's just the most fun thing in the world. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that it is also worth considering the possibility that our plate actually is too full and we have taken on too many things and that in order to make the time and the space and the mental energy to tackle a change, we may actually need to do a little pruning right. of our obligations or our priorities in order to make room for change. And we talked about that in a very recent episode on on the value of, of focusing, of, of picking a few things to focus on. And that doesn't mean that you are giving up on other changes. You're just kind of sequencing them Mm. so that you can tackle them one at a time and that this can often help you get a lot more done a lot more quickly. Yeah, we actually have our our lab experiment will help you a little bit with choosing what you can prune as well. Yeah, before we get into the lab experiment, let me just sum up some takeaways of our conversation today, which I really enjoyed. I found it very personally helpful, actually, in this episode. (laughs) That's the wonderful thing about doing these episodes yeah. is that we're, we're helping ourselves. We're changing ourselves by uh, changing everyone else for as well. For real, for real. So my first takeaway is that being too busy is often an excuse that we use 
when there's some other reason that we're avoiding taking action, like doubt or avoiding the discomfort of the unfamiliar or fear of failing or making a mistake. Hmm. Second takeaway is that a lot of us aren't nearly as busy as we think we are. And the other side of that optical illusion is thinking that something's going to take much longer than it actually will. Yeah. Objects in the mirror are larger than they appear, apparently. <laughs> yes. Objects in the future. My third takeaway is that sometimes we're just making ourselves busy with things that we don't really value. And that's, that's a real loss. That's a real shame, a missed opportunity. Yeah. So by being more intentional about how we use our time, we can make room for the things that are the most meaningful. And that includes making the important changes that we want to make in our lives. All right. So onto our lab experiment. And I'm actually going to once again lean on Ashley Willens and her book, Time Smart, How to Reclaim Your Time and Live a Happier Life. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it's a very catchy title. But in that book, she recommends cultivating that time affluence, once again, by evaluating areas of improvement. So you can, let's say you just think about a typical workday that you've had recently. Then the first step is to think about what moments actually brought you joy and what moments actually brought you stress <laughs> and write those down. Then of all those activities that aren't bringing you meaning or pleasure and that are unproductive and stressful, think about one very specific activity that you're going to try to do less of going forward. And in the book, um, the author actually uses the example of doom scrolling, which I think we've talked a lot in this episode about, but I think a lot of us have been doing that more often than, uh, than normal over the last few months, which is just that spending time mindlessly browsing through social media. Now that might be a habit that you want to change. So then step three is once you've identified a habit that doesn't serve you well, write down a strategy for avoiding that activity and then put the written reminder in some visible spot somewhere so you are cued to actually follow through on this idea. Well, and that was the strategy that you shared with us at the beginning of the episode, right? You took the social media apps off your phone so that you could still access them, but it was a little bit more time consuming to get to them. So yeah. great, great strategy. And, you know, in her example, she invites you to think about a typical workday and identify mm -hmm. those moments of stress and the moments of joy. But I think you could also do that for a weekend or one of the days that it's just personal time and think about what the things brought you the most joy and what brought you stress. And that could be, maybe it's worth doing that lab experiment twice. Oh yeah. The, the whole point of this really is once you've identified those stress moments, those are the times that you can get rid of and then turn that into some time affluence. So you do have some time to, to make some changes or to do some self-improvement or, or work on the lab experiment. Right. And if you would like a copy of that lab experiment, we include them in the show notes for the podcast. And all of those show notes are on our website, which is at changeacademypodcast.com. If you are enjoying the Change Academy, maybe this is the very first episode you listened to. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, We'd love to invite you to subscribe or maybe tell a friend that you think would also enjoy it. And we always love to hear from you and know what you're working on. You can drop us a note or record us a voicemail right from our website, which again is at changeacademypodcast.com. All right. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget your lab assignment. This has been the Change Academy.